every injury is unique every injury is its own entity and every horse is an individual so what works for one may or may not be appropriate for another uh, type of injuries. Welcome to Equimanagement's podcast, Disease Du Jour, where each podcast will delve into the research and current best practices for a variety of equine health problems with industry experts. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. Today's guest is Dr. Duncan Peters, a DVM and a diplomate in the American College of Veterinary Sports Medicine Rehabilitation. He's also a certified ISELP member. Dr. Peters is the co-owner of East West Equine Sports Medicine in Lexington, Kentucky. He is a leading authority on locomotor pathology, diagnosis, treatment, and managing sport horse health for optimum performance. He is a multidiscipline licensed FEI veterinary delegate and is an FEI certified in dressage, eventing, jumping, driving, halting, and reining. Dr. Peters has served as director of the Clinical Equine Sports Medicine Program and associate professor of large animal clinical sciences at Michigan State University's College of Veterinary Medicine. Prior to that, he was director of the Sport Horse Division at Haggard Equine Medical Institute and developed Pioneer Equine in Oakdale, California. Dr. Peters was a team vet for the U.S. Pair Equestrian Team at the 2018 WEG and Tryon. He's also a member of the Veterinary Selection Panel for the USA Eventing Team. He enjoys assisting clients manage their sport horse programs, and he actively participates and competes in hunter-jumper shows and fox hunts. He also loves fly fishing when time is available. So thank you, Dr. Peters, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about tendon and ligament injuries and rehabilitation. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. Okay, so you and I have talked, and, and you have said that most veterinarians do a really good job of diagnosing these injuries. So when you're talking about rehabilitation, what is the first thing you need to do? Well, I think uh, having an accurate diagnosis is certainly paramount. Uh, and with the technologies we have now and with the expertise of a number of uh, practitioners that uh, are well-versed in these things, it seems like we start out knowing what we're dealing with is all important. But from that point forward, it's really, uh, if you're dealing with an acute injury, it's really trying to decrease the inflammation that's associated with that injury. Then it's going through a what we call a subacute stage where the body then has to decide how it is going to repair that. And then we get into a chronic phase where the tendon or ligament has to take that scar formation or that reparative process and, and mature it up to the point that that tissue is again strong enough to get back to the original discipline that caused the injury. So those are sort of the three phases that veterinarians and their staff and any rehabilitative therapy has to deal with along the way. Now the interesting thing about that is that acute stage is relatively short and that's where the owners are, are a little bit frantic sometimes, uh, a lot more concerned what's this going to do, how is this going to affect competition, so on and so forth. But that acute phase, usually within the first 7 to 10 days, up to 14 days, is really to get rid of the inflammation, quiet down the active damage that's going on there, and help the body sort of clean up that area the best it can. The subacute stage, or 
the other term we use for it is called uh, fibroblastic stage, is during which the body all of a sudden sort of turns and says, okay, I've cleaned this up, I've gotten rid of as much inflammation as I can, now what are we going to do to repair it? We need to put this back together so that we have some, some healing that goes on. This is a period that can occur anywhere from this two to three weeks up to about 70 to 90 days. So it's an extended period, uh, but really the, the ability for uh, the veterinarian to sort of work their magic or, or be involved with uh, the actual reparative process usually occurs up to uh, about 45 to 60 days uh, after the initial injury. So this is a period where we can do things like regenerative therapies, where we can take a tendon lesion and inject it with stem cells or platelet-rich plasma, PRP, or we can use some uh, cross-linking uh, synthetics like Genepin or, or Novabrace, it's called. So this is when we can really help strengthen those tissues, activate the, the normal growth factors, reparative processes within this area, and get the body some help in terms of uh, repairing the injury that's there. The other thing that occurs during this time is a lot of treatment modalities that help to uh, assist and, and support the tissue metabolism during repair. And these can be laser therapy, they can be ultrasound therapy, uh, they can be shockwave in some instances, they can be pain relief uh, mechanisms uh, that are involved. Um, but a lot of the treatment modalities are used during this time. Uh, pulse magnetic field therapy, TENS units, uh, that all have an effect on perfusion, they have an effect on cell metabolism, they have an effect on recruiting other cells in terms of uh, growth factors that may be helpful in uh, deciding how the cells are going to react in an area and help building that, that matrix as well as the collagen back and repairing that injury either in that tendon or ligament. And that process um, is very effective uh, in terms of getting those horses back to where they should be. The other things that we can use are our rehabilitative therapies during that time. And in the acute phase, obviously we don't want to put more stress on the tissue. So it's a minimal loading period. And again, that may be uh, relatively short, a few days, or it may encompass a couple of weeks. But just like in human uh, therapy, rehab now, we like to start doing some uh, minimal loading as well as range of motion work early on and those things actually help to stimulate the reparative process but it also decreases the possibility that you will have some abnormal filling of the injury or abnormal fibrosis that occurs that's going to limit you down the line that that you may have to deal with so in a lot of cases we start like to start these rehabilitative processes or, or um, uh, procedures early on and they can be static range of motion they can be things like just hand walking they can be uh, mechanical walkers in some cases they can be aqua therapy in terms of uh, walkers and, and aqua treadmills things like that or they can be uh, even spas 
that have um, a whirlpool-like activity. All these things can help with perfusion, range of motion, and the way the horse responds in those uh, rehabilitative therapies can be helpful uh, down the line in terms of uh, stability uh, of the uh, repair and also um, those tendons and ligaments affecting joint uh, mobility uh, around the body. Now once those things are incorporated, uh, different protocols um, allow you to do different things, uh, especially with water therapy um, in terms of whether or not you want more flexion of an area, whether you want decreased flexion of an area, whether you want to um, change the stance phase or the swing phase of the stride, things like that can be manipulated depending on some of those rehabilitative therapies. So that becomes important depending on the type of injury you have. If you've got an injury associated with say the deep flexor tendon, that's sort of a push off, a propulsion. Well you may not want to put a lot of stress in that area versus something like a suspensory or a superficial digital flexor injury which is more of a stance phase type of injury, then you may do some water therapy that's different. You may want to decrease the weight of the body so that you have more buoyancy to the body by using the water, but you have less concussion or strain on a weight-bearing type of structure. So things like that are very helpful. And it's a matter of, of knowing what device will give you uh, the, the desired effect. And those are things that unfortunately you just have to go look up in a lot of cases or talk to other people that are dealing with it uh, in terms of trying to find what do I need for my particular injury. Again, because every injury is unique, every injury is its own entity, and every horse is an individual. So what works for one may or may not be appropriate for another uh, type of injury. So. Uh, that's that accurate diagnosis, what tissues involved, uh, the extent of the injury, all those are very important in terms of going through this middle phase, this subacute phase, and the type of treatment you use as well as the type of therapeutic modalities you use. Not everyone has access to everything uh, or uh, economic uh, uh, feasibility for any of these uh, any of these modalities or therapies. So it's a pick and choose uh, and it depends on what your client's desires are, uh, what is available to you in an area, and also um, you know what the expectations might be for the horse uh, down the road. Uh, if we're looking for a pasture pet that may be a whole lot different than a horse that uh, you know you're hoping to get back to uh, its original discipline level. So all those play uh, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, role in making decisions along the way, but again, you only have a short period to decide how much intervention you're going to do in order to affect the functional healing of those ligaments and tendons. And again, that's usually within that period of a couple of weeks up to about 60 to 90 days, and so uh, things have to be done primarily at that time. Once we get out of that range, we are pretty much dealing with the fact that you've got a reparative process that's, that's bridged the gap, that has closed the lesion, and at that point you're looking to 
have a exercise program uh, that loads those tissues and allows those tissues, that reparative scar, to mature and uh, continue to develop a functional aspect for whatever the expectation is. And that chronic phase uh, of that tissue maturation and, um, and the uh, developing that horse back to their uh, previous level can last an extended period of time. So generally that can be anywhere from about 12 weeks, you know, three months to uh, anywhere up to 12 months or even longer. Uh, and that's somewhat, again, dependent on the individual. Uh, certainly have had cases that I thought should be ready to go at eight months. They're looking very good. And unfortunately, it's another six months tacked on for whatever reason. Um, and so during that maturation phase, it's usually primarily the biggest influence is the graduated exercise load that is put on those tissues. And those tissues can be um, stimulated and for better strength over time as that exercise load uh, gets stronger and harder on the horse. But in the, same, in the same vein, you can have a negative impact on that tissue if you go too far. And the toughest thing is knowing if we've gone too far. Hopefully the horse will tell you, but in many cases these things tend to be a bit subclinical and it's a matter of, of working that balance. What is enough to stimulate the tissues to continue to mature and um, be able to take the load versus are we doing too much causing micro breakdown and not allowing the horse. And that's somewhat uh, based not only, only on the load, but the frequency and the duration of your exercise program. Uh, just like in training, you go through periods where you push the horse a little bit and you back off and allow them to recover. Rehab's the same thing in terms of you have to put a load on there to stimulate and, and try to test the tissues, but at the same time, you need to back off at times to allow the body to readjust, sort of get used to the, the tissue maturing and uh, then be able to take the next step. And uh, again, there is no cookbook for that. It's one of those things that uh, has to be worked through, has to be monitored, uh, and we don't have tremendous um, validated monitoring devices or, um, or techniques for that. Uh, there are things available to be able to help us. Uh, things like gait symmetry, uh, uh, analysis um, uh, components or machines or programs can be helpful because they can give us an objective sort of view of what is that horse doing. Uh, things, simple things like heart rate when a horse works during a rehab program or exercise loading program, uh, monitoring that and being able to say, well, today that horse came out and his heart rate was 3% higher than it normally is during that exercise phase. Why is that? Is it environmental? Was the conditions different in terms of, you know, the weather, things like that? Or is that an indicator of pain? And so that horse says, boy, that hurts, and the cardiovascular system reacts and the heart rate goes up. So these things are all uh, things that take time, take patience, and uh, take monitoring uh, to be able to deal with.
we're looking into things like biomarkers out there. What's available? What, uh, what can we take from the horse that can then tell us whether or not we're working them too hard, whether we're pushing them? And some of the things we're looking at are anti-inflammatory versus inflammatory proteins and the balance between the two. When a horse exercises, there are going to be, and, and works, there are going to be some inflammatory proteins just because of the workload. But on the other side of the coin, there are anti-inflammatory proteins that balance those out. Well, if you get an imbalance of one or the other, you're not pushing the horse enough or you're pushing the horse too much. And so there are techniques that are probably going to be on the forefront here pretty soon that will allow us to be able to more closely monitor that during training as well as during a rehabilitation program. So these things are important as we go along, as we watch the horse uh, during the rehab process and uh, monitor them on a very frequent basis. That's another point, a uh, real uh, objective assessment of that horse all the way through at a prescribed time during the rehab period and that may be early on, it may be weekly that you're you know, going through your rehab protocol that you've set up and those horses are evaluated uh, every week for a particular injury and to see whether clinically you are making headway, whether the horse is more painful, whether there's swelling, more swelling, where there's more sensitivity to maybe palpation. So your clinical exam can give you a lot as to whether or not uh, things are progressing the way you think. On top of that, there are imaging techniques and the most common, you know, for the soft tissues or the ultrasound to monitor those changes associated with uh, the, the specific structure as to whether or not that's responding the way you think it should be. If we have a core lesion of a superficial flexor tendon uh, at certain prescribed periods after our treatment, we would expect filling of that and development of that in a more normal progression. If that's doing what it's supposed to, heck, we're all uh, happy as can be. If we get one of those weeks where, you know, eh, it looks like we have more fluid, we have more edema, or that, that uh, superficial's a little bigger than what, you know, uh, is recorded from a week or two weeks before, that may be a red flag to say, hey, we need to change something and need to modify what we're doing at this point in time to allow tissues to kept, catch up, allow the rehabilitative process to catch up, allow the body repair and the, all the metabolic activity that's involved with that to catch up and get on the right track. So that reassessment on a very periodic and scheduled uh, uh, schedule is uh, very important for for the, the adequate repair and the best repair that we can get. Um, and I guess I would stress for any of us as veterinarians, we all are very, very involved, generally at the front end of things, but as we get farther and farther from the injury, in a lot of cases we rely on feedback, maybe from clients or trainers or um, people involved with the horse, where, you know, potentially maybe we need to be that objective person that comes in and looks at it and says okay let's go ahead and let's increase the workload or let's back off on our workload just because of some of these objective uh, evaluations that we're going through the clinical exam the imaging that type of thing 
So it's it's a process. It's a lot of involvement. Uh, it usually takes a lot of communication uh, through that rehabilitative process. And there are times when it can be very frustrating for everyone involved. If in many cases you'll have a very slow progressive uh, type of rehabilitative process and it can be especially uh, frustrating for owners or trainers that that would like to have that horse back doing what it did before and in many cases it's a matter of you know dealing with uh, the communication aspects and reminding people that when we started this was going to be a process and it's going to take time and we have to make adjustments as we need to along the way um, and the whole team needs to be aware of that so that we all uh, can support one another along the way because it may be the veterinarian gets frustrated one day and a month later the owner's frustrated so uh, we have to support one another through the whole process and and realize that what we we all want the same thing we want the best thing for the horse and we want the best repair possible uh, so that everything works out in the end so we're recording this during the ICELP uh, sports medicine rehab conference in Lexington Kentucky and I've heard veterinarians talk about how to manage client expectations early in the process and compliance as you're moving forward in the process and maybe they are getting a little frustrated. So what tips would you have for veterinarians? Uh, that's an interesting question and it, it is one of the things is the art of practice and the art of communication. It can be very difficult. Expectations um, at the beginning uh, trying to give a prognosis as to where you may be at the end is very difficult with a number of injuries. So I tend to be not look at the uh, how long it's going to take to the end result. I try to take it in stages and most people are very very uh, uh, compliant and uh, are very eager to get through the initial treatment and the initial rehab phases. So they're very much involved. I think the frustration starts to come a little later on in the process when you get into the more chronic aspects and the long-term uh, months of the, of the recovery. And so I tend to take it in phases. Well, let's see if we can get this inflammation down, how long that takes us. You know, we're hoping it takes us a week. It might take us 10 days, but if we're shooting for a week, you know, that's good. I, I mean, I think people can handle a week. You know, then we can reassess where we are, how we're doing. Uh, then the next process is, okay, we're, we've gotten through that. You know, it might take us, you know, three weeks or a month to get through this next part where we're actively trying to influence what's going on. The subacute phase. Well, we're going to inject it with this regenerative therapy. Uh, we're going to start with this treatment modality, and we're going to change the shoes to minimize some of the stress on those tissues, and we're going to start this rehab uh, uh, therapy in terms of uh, it might be something like we're going to walk for you know 15 minutes twice a day uh, for two weeks, then we're going to increase that. Uh, we're going to do that on a relatively hard surface because it's going to decrease the stress on that particular tissue. And I think by, by breaking it down that way, 
at that communication, everyone then can have their input into that. Well, that walking isn't going to work because this horse is going to be too wild. You know, he's just come off competition. I, you know, I know he's going to be too wild. Well, how are we going to work through that? And so that's where the communication and the teamwork comes in. And uh, the groom may say, yeah, I can do that. The owner says, well, I can't hand walk him, you know. And so, you know, balancing that out and having everyone be part of it and trying to modify that as to what is acceptable. It may mean for that particular horse that uh, he doesn't go out at a certain time when there's a lot of activity. It may be that uh, he's a horse that, uh, you know, is better off, uh, you know, being out early in the morning uh, versus out in the middle of the day. And so knowing the horse, that can have a big influence and that's where the owner or the trainer can really impact as to what's going to be the best therapeutic approach in terms of uh, the rehab modality that we might use in that case. Uh, treatment wise, again, there can be discussion about what's the best treatment uh, scientifically, but then there may be a discussion economically uh, what happens with that. So the expectation you know, of what we're going to do during that period, I think, is really a team effort. The expectations moving forward, sometimes those can change. I've had owners that say, you know, I'd like this horse, uh, you know, in, at the beginning of the process, it may be something like, uh, yeah, we'd like to get this horse back. You know, we'd like to, you know, get it back to the same level. And then knowing that that horse is going to be out for anywhere from four to six months uh, initially, then they may feel, well, you know, this horse has given us everything. You know, this horse has really uh, done what we've expected. Uh, he's been a great addition. You know, I don't want to take the risk that, you know, we do something, you know, that's going to re-injure this by putting him back there. And there's always that chance. You know, that tissue is never the same as it was. So with that in mind, uh, we the expectations have changed. And so now it's a matter of finding out what works well, how aggressive we should be with our rehabilitative modalities or our treatment therapies uh, continuing forward. So again, as the expectation and the discussion about that uh, goes on, then it's a matter of uh, making those adjustments in the program. Um, the question of compliance in terms of how things work, um, in many cases, uh, if a horse goes off to a treatment facility or a rehab facility, the compliance isn't necessarily an issue and the referring veterinarian gets to work with the rehab facility. Uh, again, a lot of discussion, a lot of cooperation there between those and uh, the compliance is uh, guaranteed, so to speak. Uh, some of the problems will occur in terms of compliance when that horse leaves there uh, leaves that facility and is returned to either a training situation or a home barn situation uh, where the owner either doesn't have the time, doesn't have the uh, uh, help in terms of personnel to assist, uh, or doesn't have um, uh, a group of people that uh, are knowledgeable enough to, to deal with the, the aspects further aspects of rehabilitation. And so the compliance level may drop off. 
that may or may not be a detriment to the horse at that time. You're hoping that repair has gone the way it should, and uh, it may be that uh, uh, some of that time after leaving a facility uh, is more of just uh, that maturation that we talked about, and the horse already has the strength he needs there. That's what you're hoping for. But if there is some uh, therapy once that horse leaves the facility that is more essential to that, it could be a detriment. So compliance does uh, come to come into play in terms of um, how that horse may respond uh, once it leaves sort of that active period of repair. Um, the other thing about that is that there are always exercises for the horse or preventative therapies, so to speak, that may be beneficial forever for that horse. That may be some shoeing changes. That may be some nutritional changes. Uh, that may be some exercises in terms of uh, stability or core strengthening, we call it, or, or flexibility type exercises that are always going to help the horse. And those may need to be incorporated into that horse's everyday life very similar to a human injury or a person that, that goes through um, some rehab therapy, that it be then becomes a lifestyle uh, for them. Uh, we have had horses that are, are used to being stalled and being very competitive and not having chance to be out much. Well, maybe part of that rehab later on is the fact that they get a chance to spend more time out uh, if their behavior will allow that and it allows them to develop more flexibility, move around more, less uh, chances of stiffness developing because of the injury that they've had. So those things are all uh, expectation sort of discussions and communication uh, as well as compliance factors as the horse gets farther and farther away from that, from that injury uh, that, that has occurred. And you're on the board of ICELP. Well, I mentioned we're, we're here at the Kentucky meeting. Can you tell me a little bit about why you went through the training with ICELP and how you think maybe that's helped you? Because you've been working on top-level horses your entire career. Yeah, ICELP is a, a tremendous organization in terms of uh, looking at the, the whole horse in terms of the aspects involved with uh, injuries and pathology that occurs uh, in different parts of the horse. It doesn't only function on or, or look at uh, the horse getting hurt and then how to treat it. It really looks at um, all, the, all the structures that are involved as well as the biomechanics and trying to understand the biomechanics and the pathophysiology of maybe why that injury occurred, what factors uh, are important in terms of trying to manage an injury, more management than maybe direct treatment, what are things you can do based on the horse's own natural abilities of the mechanics of the horse, uh, the dynamics of the horse in terms of getting that horse back after it's been after it's been injured. These athletes, just like human athletes, they all have injuries and our sport horses have careers of basically injuries with good parts in between where they're very successful. So 
it's a matter of managing and stabilizing those injuries and to be aware of what injuries may or may not impact them again in the future or how we minimize the potential for those injuries to impact their performance negatively. And that may be that, you know, horses warm up differently or they're cooled down differently or they get some preventative sort of therapies uh, along the way which may be more you know stretching they may be more massage they may be things that you know uh, we do rather than just medication or injections uh, certainly there's a place for those types of things but most of these horses uh, ultimately are probably going to respond better and have a longer career if we can manage them uh, recognizing that we need to build them stronger they they muscular we need to train them so that we don't overtrain or undertrain, and to ask them to do things that are well within their abilities. Um, these horses, you know, a lot of them have the ability. It's where we put that ability or what we ask of them. Um, and if we ask them to go too fast, something's going to happen. Uh, it, it's just, unfortunately, that's the nature of the sport. Um, and it's one of those things that we try to do everything we can preventative wise to try to make them as strong and as, as uh, healthy as they can be for the task we ask them to do. And ISELP has been very beneficial because it looks at all those structures, it looks at all those uh, systems within the horse, conformation, skeletal, muscular, nervous system, circulatory system, and we look at things from a, sort of a whole horse uh, type of approach that there isn't one thing that uh, you know is overly important in the horse it's uh, it's the entire unit uh, in terms of completing the task and if uh, any of our listeners are interested in learning more about iself you can go to iself iselp.org and get some more information about some of the training that's coming up and thank you very much, Dr. Peters, for joining us today on Equimanagement's Disease Du Jour. And thank you for listening to our podcast. You can hear previous and future podcasts of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We hope you'll join us again for a future edition of Disease Du Jour. This episode of Disease Du Jour is brought to you by equinevetedu.com a free online educational platform for veterinarians, vet students, and vet techs, brought to you by Equimanagement. Visit equinevetedu.com for free race-approved CE and courses on topics of current interest.